Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. Because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, America had another month of massive inflation in April, with the consumer price index rising by 8.3% year over year. The American people are starting to feel the pinch. And meanwhile, the government just approved yet another $40 billion we don't have in aid to Ukraine. More on the latest economic disaster for the Biden administration in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. The numbers, they tell the tale, friends. Consumer price index increase, as of today, just announced, 8.3% in April, year over year. Now, this, this is really significant because what it tells you is that all the propaganda, the talking points from the Democrat Biden administration about how inflation is transitory, it's limited, it's just a Putin price hike, it's just the energy sector. Bull crap. We got the worst inflation in 40 years and it's here to stay for a while. This is at a time of rising interest rates, all kinds of economic uh, uncertainty, which is reflected in the markets. Stock markets getting crushed these days. 
Things are not looking so good. Inflation, though, is the primary concern that people have when it comes to the economy. And let's remember that the economy is the primary political concern that Americans have by far in all the polling as we are in this midterm election year. So looking rough for the Biden team, as it should, because they're a bunch of idiots. But let's look at this graph just to really hammer home here what we're dealing with. The year-over-year -year CPI growth since 2017, you can sort of see it's all in that 2% range, 2% range. It's basically where the Fed wants it to be. And then all of a sudden you get to 2021, Biden in charge, and boom, like a rocket ship, inflation just takes off and it's now at 8.3%. Now this means that workers' wages are getting a nice chunk taken out of them every month, every paycheck that you get doesn't go as far. Prices are grow, uh, going up too alongside all this, which makes things more difficult. He here is a graph just to give you a sense of the price increases folks are facing. Overall, it's 8.3, which is rough enough, but food, which we all need, you know, to survive, 9%. And energy, which we also need, is up 30%. So you, if you uh, are looking at this from the perspective of, are you doing, off, uh, doing better uh, off financially under Biden than under Trump? Uh, no, things are more expensive. You have less disposable income compared to what you would have at the same income level then. And this is just a rough economy, and that means that people are getting annoyed. And it's about time they recognize that the people in charge, the Democrats, are not able to handle this. In fact, they won't make the most basic decisions that are necessary to get this going, trending in the right direction. The new White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, is saying, don't worry, this administration's really clear-eyed on inflation. It's Putin's fault. We've been clear-eyed in talking about the challenges uh, driving inflation around the globe. Uh, as the president said yesterday, uh, the first cause was the pandemic, uh, the bottlenecks that has caused around that has caused around the, the globe. And there's no doubt that Putin's unprovoked invasion of Ukraine has also led to high, higher commodity prices and pain for Americans at the pump. Yeah, Putin price hike. Remember they tried that one? Biden gave a speech earlier this week in which he tried to get ahead of what they all knew was going to be a bad number. They did have some of the economists are surprised to find out that this is the situation. Economists are surprised to figure out that this, in, in fact, is a period of, of high, of elevated inflation that's continuing on here. Uh, trying to spin as fast as possible, furiously spinning in circles for this Biden regime. CNN's Jim Shuto put this one out on Twitter. This is hilarious. U.S. inflation took a breather last month for the first time since August. Thank heavens. Prices still increased, but at a slower pace than in previous months. CPI was up 8.3% in the 12 months ending in April, a decrease from the 8.5% recorded in March. I mean, this would be like, imagine if you had, let's say, a 10% unemployment rate, which would be really bad. And then you got the unemployment number and it was. 9.8%. And they were saying, oh my gosh, look, unemployment's getting way better. You know, it took a real breather on that unemployment problem. But look, when you have a Biden administration, what are you really going to do? What are you really going to say if you're trying to prop them up? There's no data to support that the Biden regime isn't clownish and incompetent. There, there's no numbers, nothing you point to to say, yeah, 
They've got a good handle. They've got a good grip on the situation. I mean, just yesterday, Jen Psaki, soon to be MSNBC talking head Psaki, formerly propaganda czar of the West Wing, Psaki said Biden doesn't believe spending matters when it comes to inflation. I'm serious. Watch. So then just to make sure, like, what he's saying is the pandemic is distinct from the spending in response to the pandemic, and he does not believe the size of the spending mattered with regard to inflation. Again, uh, no. No. Spending does not matter when it comes to inflation. Spending money, the federal government spending money, printing, spending money, that is the thing that causes inflation. But the Democrats just refuse to believe this because they think that money comes from like the magic money tree somewhere. And then if only the big bad rich people, even though the super rich people are mostly Democrats, if the rich people just paid more in taxes, the money tree would be even bigger and we'd all be fine. We could spend whatever we want. Everyone gets free stuff. Everything's great. They live in a fantasy, as you know, but it's unfortunately a very destructive one. And then there's this. Biden today telling us that while there's a baby formula shortage and really high inflation, you know, we need to be focused on that fight abroad that Ukrainians are doing because that's a fight for all of democracy or something. Watch. Right now, America's fighting on two fronts. At home, it's inflation and rising prices. Abroad, it's helping Ukrainians defend their democracy and feeding those who are left hungry around the world because Russian atrocities exist and Jeff and the American farmers understand Putin's war has, has, has cut off critical sources of food. We're not, we're not fighting Putin. I wouldn't start to indicate that that's what we're trying to do, what we are doing. The Ukrainians are fighting Russia and Vladimir Putin, and we wish them well, but apparently this administration, the Biden regime, has a lot more in mind than just that, as you know. We've already given them billions of dollars in weapons, munitions, and humanitarian aid. The New York Times are reporting here that the Democrat majority house just passed $40 billion more in Ukraine aid. Very few questions asked about where this is going, what it's for. Just $40 billion, just writing in a check, uh, writing it like they found this in the couch cushions. You know, $40 billion here, $40 billion there. Eventually, even Democrats will have to admit this adds up to real money, right? As the old joke goes. Um, or they'll just try to uh, browbeat you with the one Bible verse that Nancy Pelosi is capable of conjuring up in a moment like this. She said this one before, by the way. Here you go. Uh, Pope Nancy has some thoughts on why you should be having your tax dollars fund the war in Ukraine. Watch. The impact that, his, that it is having on food for the world. So when you're home thinking, what is this all about? Just think about when I was hungry, you fed me. In the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah. We'll have more on this with candidate for U.S. Senate and uh, former Army, uh, Army platoon leader Jake Beckett from Arkansas. When we come back, first I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies say your privacy is guaranteed, but that's just not true. You need a new cybersecurity and privacy application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and is offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. Privacy is a big issue now. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mine your data and never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone else with total confidence you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. 
Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. It costs only $5 to the messenger, only $10 to the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. And use promo code BUCK, that's B-U-C-K, for 25% off. Jake Beckett joins us when we come back. Support for my podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with its exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BUCK at manscaped.com. The Performance Package 4.0 includes a ton of men's grooming products like the Lawn Mower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a bunch of other great men's hygiene products you never knew you needed, plus a travel bag to hold it all. The Lawn Mower Trimmer is the best. It's got a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, and it's waterproof, so no more messes on the bathroom floor. You'll also get the waterproof Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer with proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in all those delicate areas. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BUCK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BUCK to unlock your confidence and always use the right tools with Manscaped. We are uh, trying to make sure that Ukraine has everything it needs to defend itself. Uh, we think the quickest way to bring this war to an end is to make sure that Ukraine can defend its territory and its sovereignty uh, and a combination of uh, military assistance uh, and tightening the economic sanctions, uh, we believe, is the quickest way to bring this to an end. Congressman Schiff of California justifying the $40 billion aid package passed by Congress today. Of course. $40 billion is just fine to defend Ukraine's borders, but an $8 billion wall to defend our border? Too much to ask, the libs say. Thankfully, there are still some members of Congress who are trying to put America first. Earlier today, Congressman Thomas Massey of Kentucky, who voted against the spending bill, tweeted, counting last night's rushed vote, Congress has now spent more money on Ukraine in six months than we spend on all U.S. roads and bridges in a year. Something to think about the next time you're stuck in traffic or replacing a bent rim. Joining me now, candidate for U.S. Senate in the state of Arkansas, veteran of the United States Army, Jake Beckett. Jake, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Buck. So what do you think about when you say, I mean, you're a guy who served, you were overseas, you understand the need for our national defense, but $40 billion for Ukraine when people can't find all of the country baby formula and are in a panic over it feels like our priorities a little bit off well yeah you know washington is broken when we're experiencing a baby formula crisis here in this country we have record amounts of fentanyl and illegal immigrants coming over our southern border and we're sending 40 billion dollars to the war-torn bloodlands of Eastern Europe rather than defending our own territorial sovereignty, Congressman Schiff. It, it, it's absolutely insulting. It's a disgrace. And you know, when I talk to voters in the state of Arkansas, the people of Arkansas, it, you want to guess how many times they brought up uh, defending Ukraine's territorial sovereignty? Well, the answer is zero. They care about the fact that, hey, I'm 33 years old, Buck, the number one killer of people in my age demographic, demographic in Arkansas is drug overdoses. 
I talked to county sheriffs here in Arkansas, and they the amount of fentanyl that comes into our state up I-30 directly from the U.S.-Mexico border, not to mention the, the number of child and sexual traffickers that come from Mexico, it, it's absolutely astounding. And so it's an absolute disgrace to see these members of Congress in both parties, mind you, the, the D.C. Uniparty, you know, all they can agree on is that we should spend $40 billion on these corrupt foreign governments rather than solving the existential crises that are manifesting themselves on our shores. Now, there's also been something of a shift, it seems, Jake, along with the $40 billion, which I believe is in addition to something like $10 billion of Ukraine aid already, weapons, human uh, humanitarian assistance. Um, we also seem to have taken, or at least based on some of the words of Biden administration officials, like the Secretary of Defense, uh, and then there's elected Democrats like Nancy Pelosi, who are saying that we need to effectively punish Russia and turn this into an open proxy war. You've served, you know what combat's like. What do you think of when you're hearing people who are never gonna serve, obviously, many of them have never and would not ever serve, who are talking about using this as a proxy war when we've got Russia with thousands of nuclear weapons pointed at us? Well, you're exactly right. I mean, one of the greatest traditions in the D.C. establishment, the Uniparty, is you know virtue signaling, you know, being keyboard warriors while sending someone else's son to die in, in foreign wars. And just to to underscore the impact of this economic crisis in this country, I mean, you know, I, I recently left the U.S. Army. I was a rifle platoon leader with the 101st Airborne, as you mentioned. And you know, the the people who were impacted. You know, by the, the skyrocketing inflation, by gas prices spiraling out of control, by food prices, housing costs going out of control. You know, it, it's people like the soldiers in my old platoon who, you know, they're not making a lot of money, Buck. They're making like $25,000, $35,000 a year. And whatever they can save of that meager salary that's not spent on themselves and their families, a lot of them send money back home to their parents and grandparents because they can't make ends meet. And so these costs, it affects them. And so when I see Republicans and Democrats in the establishment come together and spend $40 billion, not to mention the other hundreds of billions of dollars in wasted foreign aid that go overseas every single year, it, it makes me sick. And the American people, the people of Arkansas, are right to be absolutely disgusted by this. I'm going to change it. And look, that's why the establishment here in Arkansas is lined up to try to take me out. I mean, they're spending millions of dollars. They've got four super PACs running nonstop attack ads against me in Arkansas because they know that I'm the America first candidate in this race, that if we force this runoff, I'm going to win against a 20-year incumbent who's little more than an establishment stooge. You know, he's going to do what the, what leadership and, and the Uniparty tells him to do. And they, they know they have to take me out, Buck, because I'll be one of those guys like Thomas Massey, who's in Congress, actually swinging the sword and telling the truth. I'll be one of those guys, and they know they can't let me win, but we're gonna win anyway. Speaking of your, uh, your fight here to win the Senate seat in Arkansas, switching gears for a moment, in your primary race for the GOP nomination for Senate, ballots being used around the state have been misprinted. They have your name as Jack uh, Baquette, which, you know, is a cool name, but your name is actually Jake. Your campaign is filing a lawsuit against Arkansas Secretary of State John Thurston. I mean, I, I, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I'm a guy who works in media, but 
I'd be pretty annoyed if they if this happened to me somewhere and you're running for office for U.S. Senate. They can't spell your name right. What's going on? Well, well, think about this, Buck, and let me just set the table for you. So we had no idea about this. We we were early voting started in Arkansas on Monday morning, and immediately we started getting frantic uh, texts and phone calls and social media DMs from outraged voters in multiple counties in Arkansas because they saw we have screenshots to confirm that my name, and you can see it right there, it's listed as Jack Beckett, not Jake Beckett, in multiple major Arkansas counties. And what was, we filed a lawsuit, we're suing the Secretary of State, the State Board of Elections, and, and multiple county officials, because we have proof, we have cold hard proof, Buck, in the form of email traffic, that they knew about this weeks ago. And not only did they not inform me, or my campaign, or my opponents, or the media, or the voting public. They literally covered it up, swept it under the rug, and hoped that nobody would find out. But we found out, we caught them red-handed. And the moment we we called them and confronted them, and they knew they'd been caught, they immediately sprang into action, Buck, and they updated their campaign website. They put, uh, they put signs on voting machines, even though they couldn't correct the voting machines, that's a separate issue. But they, they knew this was happening, and they, they tried to cover it up for three weeks. And then once they knew we caught them, they, they tried to cover their tracks. But we filed lawsuits. We're going to get to the bottom of this because I think it's pretty clear that in Arkansas what's happening, this is an old-school, bare-knuckled political brawl, okay? And, and they, they mess with the wrong guy because I'm going to do business as business is being done. I'm ready for a fight. I was born for the storm because guess what? Like Senator Bozeman, he couldn't beat me. With his swamp endorsements, he couldn't beat me with the millions of dollars in super PAC attack ads. He, he refused. He was scared to debate me. He couldn't beat me on the debate stage. And so now he's just like, well, I guess I got to steal this election. So he's got his longtime political ally, Secretary of State John Thurston, and many other election officials who we have proof. It's in our law, so you can look it up online. And we have proof that they knew about this weeks ago, and they didn't change a thing. They didn't even try they tried to cover it up. We caught them, and we're going to expose them because, Buck, and just to finish my thought, here's the deal. I mean, you, 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 we've gotten to know each other a little bit over the course of this campaign. I mean, I, I spent 10 months. I put my name on the ballot. My, my family, my supporters, you know, we, we've been through this battle together. We put our time, effort, heart, soul, passion, money behind this campaign. And for us to come down to the wire here two weeks before the election and to have my name wrong, on tens of thousands of ballots in Arkansas that can't be corrected, this is an absolute disgrace. And we have to fix this because I don't want this to happen to any other candidate in Arkansas ever again. I don't care what party you're in, what what campaign, what race you're running for, this should never happen to any candidate ever again. And I'm gonna get to the bottom of it. Stay in the fight, Jake. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Elon Musk sent shockwaves when he confirmed that former President Donald Trump's Twitter account would be reinstated if and when he actually takes over the social media platform. We'll have more on that with the CEO of Getter, another social media platform, Jason Miller, when we come back. Let's talk about uh, defending your home. Look, you know me, I'm skeptical. So when I first heard that a thief could use your home's title to take out loans and they can steal the home's title online, I was like, really? Doesn't sound that easy. Well, turns out it is, happens all the time. Some cyber criminal decides that they're going to forge your name off the document to your home, and then they act like they own it. 
This is a crime that's growing very rapidly and you're not covered by homeowners insurance or common identity theft programs. Home Title Lock has earned my trust. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone tampering with their home's title, they mobilize to help shut it down. So here's what I urge you to do. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, read the testimonials, find out more about this. Number two, register your home address to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it. When you protect your home, tell them Buck Sexton sent you to get my listener discount. HomeTitleLock.com, again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. Jason Miller stops by when we return. Stay with us. It was not correct to ban Donald Trump. I think that was, that was a mistake um, because it, uh, it alienated a large part of the country. I would reverse the PERMA ban. My opinion, and Jack Dorsey, I want to be clear, shares this opinion, uh, is that we should not have PERMA, perma bans. He has publicly stated that he will not be coming back to Twitter um, and that he will only be on Truth Social. And this is the point that I'm trying to make, which is perhaps not getting across, is that, there, is that banning Trump from Twitter didn't end Trump's voice. It will amplify it among the right. And this is why it is morally wrong and flat out stupid. It is flat out stupid. Elon Musk says if he owns Twitter, he'll end the permanent bans that are out there, which means President Trump could be a tweeter all over again. After calling permanent bans morally wrong, Musk went on to say they should only be reserved for bots or spam accounts with no legitimacy at all. You know, not the former president of the United States, for example. Our next guest couldn't agree more. Joining me now is a CEO of social media platform Getter, Jason Miller. Jason, good to see you. But great to be back with you. So let's start with the case for bringing Trump back on. You run a social media platform. How, how does this work? Just for, think about this for us from a from a business perspective and a terms of service perspective? Well, you really kind of hit the nail on the head because what I think is really driving Elon Musk's comments from yesterday isn't so much this uh, full-throated endorsement of free speech or taking it from more of a purist position. I think this is largely a business decision. Elon Musk is going through the financials of Twitter right now, trying to figure out how to grow the platform, how to make it more profitable. And I think what he's realizing is the same thing that I saw from my market research last summer, the upwards of 20 to 25% of all Trump voters have left social media after he was deplatformed. Two things really jump out at me here though, Buck. Number one, saying that Jack Dorsey agrees with him. Okay, I'm throwing the challenge flag on that one. Jack Dorsey does not want President Trump back on social media in any way, shape or form. But if this were really an ideal driven, free speech driven effort to get President Trump his social media voice back, then why hasn't Musk been saying this over the last month or month and a half while he's been in the news about the Twitter purchase? Jason, you know the former president quite well personally, and, and as I've said, also run your own social media platform. What do you make of the public statement thus far from the former president that he will not go back on Twitter and will only be on Truth Social? What's going on there? And do you, and do you think that's going to hold? Another great question. I think that's going to hold for now, especially with President Trump launching his own platform. And quite frankly, we don't know how long that road will be to the coronation for Elon Musk. He says he'll be in there as the interim CEO in three months, could take six months. 
in my opinion, most definitely after the midterm elections. And we don't know if the deal ultimately will even go through. I think the fact that the stock is uh, what, somewhere around 47 right now, actually I haven't looked so far today, and Musk's uh, offer is at 54. You look at the uh, you look at the EBITDA numbers, which figure what, maybe half, maybe two thirds, could actually be their cash position. It just doesn't seem to make sense to go forward with the deal as currently constructed, especially as, since it's so heavily leveraged. I've, in fact, I've never seen such a heavily leveraged buyout in this uh, uh, shape and fashion before. So I think what President is doing smart, is holding his ground, sticking his position. And then look, if he wants to change his mind, if he runs for president, wants to be on all platforms, maybe that's an option to him. But again, you notice how Musk brought it back and said, but this is kind of making the point, uh, this is all water under the bridge because the president's not coming back. Uh, that's much different from, I'm turning his account back on tomorrow. What do you think are the chances that Elon's acquisition are gonna go through and, and is there, a real concern uh, still out there that either government regulators or some collusion, if you will, of anti-free speech forces are going to come together and try to take out this takeout bid. Well, I think that anything that the Biden administration can do, they're definitely uh, to try to stop President Trump from getting back on social media, or even quite frankly, to have Twitter be under the control of Elon Musk, to where we start pulling back some of those free speech rights, as Musk has said that he wants to help do. But I think I'm usually not one to bet against Elon Musk. I think he's uh, possibly the greatest innovator of our generation. You can even make the case maybe one of the greatest innovators of all time. But to actually get control of this company, they're going to have to reconstitute the deal. That's going to take quite a while. And then that's just to get control of it. Actually, fumigate the place and getting rid of the, the ideologues who don't want to see everyone from across the political spectrum have free speech. That's where the real challenge comes in. Here is Elon Musk, uh, speaking of the man himself, on getting rid of those permanent bans. Watch. That doesn't mean that somebody gets to say whatever they want to say. If they say something that is uh, illegal or um, otherwise, you know, uh, just, you know, just destructive to the world, then, then that, that there should be perhaps a timeout, uh, a temporary suspension, or, or that particular tweet uh, should be uh, uh, made invisible or, or have very limited uh, traction. Um, but I think perma bans just fundamentally undermine trust in Twitter as uh, a, a town square uh, where um, everyone can uh, voice their opinion. I think it was a morally bad decision, to be clear, and, and foolish in the extreme. What do you think? Well, I definitely agree that a permanent ban on President Trump was the wrong move. I also think it was wrong for the social media companies to collude and stop the sharing of the information of the Hunter Biden laptop back in the fall of 2020. But as you, it's what, one of the things I found is in taking over a social media company is that moderation and cybersecurity are easily the two most important things and things that you spend much of your time on. And it's very tough to give simplistic answers. So for example, when Musk says that I wanna allow everything with the exception of illegal content, well, uh, take a look, for example, at the uh, say governments in Afghanistan, at the Taliban, what's legal there? What's legal in Iran? what's legal 
say uh, what does Hamas uh, believe is legal or illegal. So just and, and by the way, all three of those folks all have Twitter accounts, even though President Trump does not. And so simply just saying that it's based on the legality, it's a lot more complex than that to make sure that a platform is safe. Uh, and for example, there's certain types of doxing that uh, might be particularly rude. Uh, it might not be allowed on platforms that could be legal. And also the aspect, say if you have a notorious racist or a Klan member, something of that nature, uh, is where does the, the free speech line fall in that? Is Musk going to really allow, uh, for example, uh, legal pornography domain on Twitter, or is he going to remove it? Is he going to allow Klan members to openly talk about their viewpoints towards people of other races and in, in religions or begin to say that that should be blocked. And so it's a lot more complex. And I think uh, Mr. Musk has is, is put the thought into it on. Jason, thanks for being with us. Good to see you. Thank you, sir. Hollywood actor James Cromwell, whom you might recognize from the HBO series Succession and Babe, you know, the movie about the little pig, he super glued himself to the counter of a Starbucks in New York for, well, you're going to have to wait for a minute here to hear the ridiculous reason. We've got more on that with Danielle D'Souza coming up. Right now, I want to tell you about Silencer Shop. I'm a big supporter of the Second Amendment. For many gun owners, using a suppressor is a must. They protect your hearing, improve your accuracy, minimize recoil. Suppressors are 100% legal in 43 states. If you want to practice safe, accurate shooting, the best way to get your suppressor is through the Silencer Shop. They have a variety of suppressors starting at just $365. My friends at Silencer Shop are the industry leader for suppressors. They're a Texas-based company that excels at customer service. Each phone call, email, direct message, or comment is answered promptly, and they treat you like family. Their customers review, customer service reviews are phenomenal. Go, go check them out on Trustpilot. You'll see for yourself. Go to silencershop.com, first and foremost. Silencershop.com to get a silencer for yourself. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. When will you stop charging us more for vegan milk? When will you stop raking in huge profits while customers, animals, and the environment suffer? When will you stop penalizing people for their ethnicity or their morals? The senseless upcharge hurts animals. That was Oscar-nominated actor James Cromwell. You've probably seen him in The Green Mile, in Babe, in Succession. He was in a New York City Starbucks there protesting their extra charge for vegan milk, which, as we all know, is really vegetable juice. The succession star dramatically superglued his hand to the coffee counter, saying the chain was punishing customers who want milk alternatives like oat or almond or soy. Of course, you got to throw soy in there. Here with reaction, Danielle D'Souza, host of Counterculture. Danielle, good to see you. Thanks for having me. I got to say, of all the times for this protest, at a time when, and I know we could do the, oh, it's a what about is it, but no, no, there is a nationwide baby formula shortage. And instead of raising awareness about that form of a milk, if you will, we have an actor who's upset about the treatment of cows and therefore this protest. 
Well, what's hilarious to me is he literally thinks of himself as a true martyr. He thinks, oh, I'm a hero. I'm taking one for the team. I'm really suffering by going to the Starbucks and gluing my hand to the table and thinks, oh, you know, just because my finger is warm, ow, my finger hurts, I'm basically in the category of Mandela or Gandhi, and I'm really just going to stick it to Starbucks. And I think what's also funny about it is Starbucks is a leftist company run by Howard Schultz, who's the CEO. He's a big leftist. And so this man thinks he's to the left of him. So if they want to have infighting uh, with other leftists, then that's fine with me. And here we are also at a time when, as I said, there's the baby formula shortage. But, you know, the, the White House was asked about this today via the uh, new press secretary. And she laughed and said, I, I have no idea. Uh, I have no idea who's actually in charge of the baby formula shortage. This is somehow getting because, because of this actor, because they uh, because PETA has decided that today is the day. And I, I, I got to say, I feel like the timing is almost not accidental. PETA is troll tweeting me as we speak, which is amazing. Um, they, they decide, oh, you think it's a big problem that babies don't have formula to drink? Well, people aren't that nice to cows that are milked. So let's complain about the lack, not just, the, I'm sorry, it's not a lack of options. It's that soy milk or almond milk is expensive. Right. I mean, of course, they care more about this cow, just like how they care more about, you know, these endangered animals, these, you know, embryos of, of an eagle than they do care about what not just a preborn human, but a literal baby who is in need of formula. And so I think we're at the point where the left is really just exited the reservation. They actually don't care about the American people. And obviously, they don't even care about putting on a good show. They don't care about the fact that protesting vegan milk at Starbucks is just silly. I mean, if you are literally buying $5 lattes and getting expensive drinks at that point, I mean, I think that you can buy your favorite alternative milk. But no, they want to make that the headline of their story. Then there was this. I mean, speaking of actors, actresses, celebrities that are getting some attention today, I don't know if you even know this, Danielle, if you've been by Broadway theaters, I know you're a New Yorker like me, but they still mask people up in Broadway theaters, not only in the theater, in line to go into the theater where they check everybody's tickets outside, they make sure everyone is masked up, which is completely insane because all of these people are going to restaurants, bars, workplaces, unmasked all the time. But this is the last holdout, uh, the lunatics, uh, left-wing lunatics of, of the Broadway world. Here's a Broadway actress. Uh, apparently, she's well-known in Broadway circles. I never heard of her before. Patty Lapone. Thank you, Control. Here she is saying, uh, well, berating a, an audience member because the mask dropped beneath the nose. Put your mask over your nose. That's why you're in the theater. That is the rule. If you don't want to follow the rule, get the f*** Put your mask over your nose. I mean, look, she's just trying to save lives, Danielle, apparently, by being a moron.
Yeah, I mean, this woman is literally yelling these expletives from the stage, not even while wearing a mask herself. And you could say, oh, no, well, she's away from people. Well, no, in the video, she's literally next to people. So if she truly thinks that COVID is such a deadly virus, she would obviously be wearing a mask herself, which she isn't. But I think this shows the fact that these elites, these powerful people basically determined that if you're a lowly person, you don't, um, you know, you don't have the same worth as everybody else. You basically have to wear a mask. But if you're a performer, if you're a celebrity, if you're a big person, even if you're around other people, you don't have to wear a mask. And so at this point, I think it's just become silly and people should not attend these Broadway plays. You should not even fund these people because that woman in the audience is correct. She is employing that woman, so don't go. Switching gears here again, Danielle, as we know, abortion and Roe v. Wade have become a major point of discussion all across the country. And Democrats like Chuck Schumer have been saying they need to go on the record with a vote and there needs to be a national abortion protection bill. Uh, it's just pretty stunning that this is really what people think should happen now, but this is what the Democrats believe in, of course. Doesn't look like it's going through, though. Here is Senator Manchin of West Virginia, who effectively uh, ended the Roe v. Wade codification effort. Watch this. The bill we have today to vote on, the Women's Health Protection Act, and I respect people who support, but don't make no mistake, it is not Roe v. Wade codification. It's an expansion. It wipes 500 500 state laws off the books. It expands abortion. And with that, that's not where we are today. We should not be dividing this country further than we're already divided. And it's, it's really the, the, the politics of Congress that's dividing the country. It's not the people. They, they're telling us what they want. And uh, it's just disappointing that uh, we're going to be voting on a piece of legislation, which I will not vote for today. It's amazing how many people don't know very much about abortion law, but have very strong opinions on abortion law. And I think that the senator here is pointing out this wouldn't just be, uh, as he says, it wouldn't be a codification. It would mean that all kinds of state laws about abortion would just be gone by an act of the Senate. Right, and that's basically what Roe v. Wade was. It basically nullified all of these states that wanted to have abortion restrictions. And so when Roe v. Wade is overturned, it's just going to send it back to the states. So if you live in California or New York or a very liberal place, you likely will be able to get an abortion even at nine months. That's what New York was celebrating when Cuomo lit up the Freedom Tower pink was to celebrate those nine-month abortions. But most states are going to want to put in place restrictions, maybe the 15-week uh, ban that Mississippi wanted to do or a heartbeat bill and so on. And so I think it really should be up to the people to decide and not up to um, you know, these people like Chuck Schumer who want to basically put Roe v. Wade not into the hands of the Supreme Court, but into the hands of the Senate. Danielle, thanks for being with us. Thank you. All right, Senator Chuck Schumer gives his seal of approval to protesting in front of Supreme Court justices' homes, despite the fact that that's illegal and, of course, shameless from an ethical perspective. We'll have that story and more in quick hits. Stay with us. Senator Tim Scott responds brilliantly after Treasury Secretary Yellen complains about the economic impact of overturning Roe v. Wade. And Joe Biden needs a geography lesson. Those stories on quick hit. Let's get right to it. Now, they don't often talk about this, but the left, which is very supportive of Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood may be one of the single most important Democrat entities and donors out there. You cross them and you're a Democrat, your career is pretty much over in politics. Uh, it was founded by a eugenicist and a racist, and some of the arguments that were made by Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, are unthinkable and evil, but she said them, and Planned Parenthood continues to celebrate Margaret Sanger for setting up all the 
abortion facilities that now exist all across the country. Well, Janet Yellen decided to talk about the economic effects of limiting abortion and specifically how it would affect young minority women. And here is what Senator Tim Scott had to say about that. In many cases, um, abortions are of teenage women, um, particularly low income and often black, who um, aren't in a position to be able to care for children, have um, unexpected pregnancies, and it deprives them of the ability often to continue their education, to later participate in the workforce. So there, there is a spillover into labor force participation, yeah. but, and uh, it means the children will grow up in poverty yeah. and do, do worse themselves. Thank and you. Let me, let me is, just claim my time harsh. on the topic. This is I, the truth. I'll just simply say that as a guy raised by a black woman in abject poverty, I'm thankful to be here. Senator Yellen suggesting that growing up poor, worse than never existing and, and uh, being terminated in the womb. Pretty astonishing stuff. Democrat talking point that you'll hear a lot, though. Senator Chuck Schumer, who is a, a scoundrel and a coward, but a very successful one in politics, unfortunately. Here he is saying that, you know, he's okay with the protests outside the homes of Supreme Court justices. Watch. Go ahead, Manu. Are you, are you comfortable with the protests that we saw outside the homes of Supreme Court justices over the weekend? If protests are peaceful, yes. Doesn't seem to understand what the federal law is about the intimidation of judges. Why would you have a protest outside of a justice's home when you could be at the Supreme Court? Far more press down there, right? Far easier to get a bunch of people together down the steps of the Supreme Court or near the Supreme Court. They had to put up barricades, obviously, to keep the lunatics away. But Chuck Schumer is not a leader. He's a hack and a coward. And so, of course, he'll say that it's fine, even though there's a federal law against it. There's even state companion laws in Virginia and, uh, and Maryland that make it illegal to protest a private residence. And I'm sure they have judicial intimidation laws at the state level as well. Joe Biden doesn't always know where he is. We know that because he's in cognitive decline. It's obvious. The guy looks like at any moment, you know, he's going to have to be uh, have a blanket thrown across his knees so he can spend the rest of his days feeding the squirrels. But here he is telling everybody that uh, New Jersey, well, I'll let him say it. More buildings, more territory has been burned to the ground this year than an entire state of New Jersey, from New York all the way down to Virginia. The entire state of New Jersey. Hmm? That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News of Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high. Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. Because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, 
deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 